Gratitude is understood as an appreciation of what we have in our life and how lucky we are to be living in this world. But what people don't realize is that gratitude is a daily practice that can help us in so many ways. The benefit of daily gratitude is that it not only helps us to appreciate and enjoy the things and the people who we have in our life, but also has been shown to improve our mental resilience. Gratitude can help us get through tough times when there is stress in our lives and improves our capacity to move beyond grief. By practicing gratitude, we find easier ways to focus on solutions and opportunities rather than problems to benefit our overall relationships and life. Perfect. What now? What now? Welcome back to our 14th episode. If you guys have been uh, listening from the beginning, you must be our biggest fans by now. So really happy to have you on our yeah next episode. I agree, especially considering the fact that it's been over a year since we've been doing this now. And I feel like we've been really contributing to a good cause. Absolutely, Ken. I think um, from episode one, uh, you know, if you've listened back uh, through all of our episodes, you might have seen the shift we've had in how we actually do communicate our words. I think we've definitely improved, haven't we, Ken? I agree. You'd like to think that we're actually getting a little bit faster with our recordings. <laughs> we're actually going to have 20 minute episodes, but this is our <laughs> biggest yet. So strap in because this is a good strap one. Strap in indeed. So uh, my name is Alyssa. And I am Ken. And our podcast, What Now?, is about the problems and issues that school never prepared us for and how we go about dealing with them. Now, with that in mind, today's episode is not about a problem, it's actually about a solution. And what is that solution, Alyssa? My favorite G word. Today's episode, we're talking all about gratitude. And this is something that I am incredibly passionate about. And I'm really excited to share more around this subject and why it has. For me personally, it's been a really powerful tool that's really shifted my perspective and how I go about each of my days, how I've overcome problems, how I deal with stressful times, but also to just be incredibly appreciative of every single day that I have on this planet and to not waste one single moment. And for me, I started doing this about almost two years ago now. Um, And I actually found gratitude when I was in Mexico traveling solo and it really sort of just blossomed from there, which is, yeah, quite incredible. It's something that I practice quite often now. And I tell a lot of people that it is a practice that you should definitely try because it honestly has changed my life in so many so many ways and I think Ken you actually have a pretty powerful story as well Um, I'd love you to share to our audience originally what you thought of gratitude and and what you think of it now I am a recent converted so I think it's (laughs) fair to say that for me with gratitude my journey was definitely very different and I originally had no appreciation for gratitude. I thought that people who did it were pathetic. Um, I thought that it was just such a, a weird, con- I'm sorry. I thought it was such a weird concept. I was like, why would anyone want to go through gratitude? I just thought it was a very hippie sort of concept. Like, you know, the way in which it was articulated to me came across as, you know, just appreciate all the things in life. And my brain couldn't take it seriously. But that's because... I didn't realize its value until I actually was undergoing a lot of grief last year. And my method of working through that was to appreciate myself and actually to stop being so self-critical. And the method in which I did that was actually through gratitude. So I went from being very self-critical, very materialistic and very ego-driven to being much more self-caring and self-loving and I have to say if it wasn't for gratitude I would not have the outlook I have on life today and I certainly feel that during this stressful period we've all been put through the gratitude I've done on a daily basis with my gratitude journaling has really helped me cope with grief has helped me feel better about myself 
And more importantly, made me so excited for the life that I have now in ways that I never did before. And each day, if I start out in a particular mood, my gratitude journaling helps me ease out of it. And I actually enjoy my days in ways that I never used to before. So the power of gratitude journaling for me was finding ways to manage and regulate my emotions and also to be excited for the moment every day. I love that. I love that, Ken. And uh, I'd like to think that I've, I've had a bit of an influence on that for you too. <laughs> well, if it wasn't for you with your hippie words, I would not be here. <laughs> no, but um, in all seriousness though, you've been a great influence. And I think that um, the person who we've got on today uh, has his own take on gratitude. And I feel that talking with him today um, will actually really bring out some of the value of this practice. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, just one more thing too. I just want to also note that gratitude is not just for when you're you're going through stressful times or when you're dealing with grief. It's not just for these these moments in your life. It is actually an incredible practice to really feel appreciation in every single moment and every single day, um, and to to realize just the little things in life how lucky we are and things that we you know, the gift that is in front of us when we open our eyes to start a new day. It's a really incredible way to change your perspective. And honestly, like if you're someone that gets stressed really easily at things, you get angry at, angry at little things, you, you know, you get triggered by little things, little events, you get angry at traffic, angry at all these little things. I promise you that try, try gratitude and you'll really, you'll really change how you react to not only events that you can't control, but people around you and conversations. Uh, So I just want to make that noteworthy as well. But with that being said, really looking forward to introducing our guest, Jacob. And without further ado, let's introduce Jacob. Okay, we are so excited to welcome Jacob to our episode today. So Jacob, also another podcaster who's representing his own show and a former military personnel who is going to be talking and discussing his ideas of gratitude with us today. So welcome, Jacob. Well, thanks, Alyssa. And thanks, Ken, for letting me come on the show. No, we're very excited to have you on board because it sounds like you're someone who has definitely experienced quite a lot over their lifetime and has actually come to a very good understanding as to how gratitude has benefited not only yourself, but also others as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in the military, how you got there and what you experienced? Yeah, so that story is kind of interesting because it starts off with my dad um, and me being a a bad high school student. I was... um, I guess I was bored. I'm not quite sure what was going on in my life. I didn't put the effort into it. And so my father looked at me at one point and said, son, I could send you to college. I've saved up the money, but it would be a waste of your time and my money for me to send you. So you need to figure out what you're going to do in life because you're not going to live here. And, uh, you know, he basically kicked me out of the house. I was very polite about it, right? He was a a gentleman about it for sure, but he basically kicked me out of the house. And so um, I knew that I wasn't quite organized as a young man to be able to figure out how to make enough money to feed myself or give myself a place to sleep. So I joined the army and they took care of that for me and taught me a lot of other things about discipline and hard work. And um, you know, I got in better physical shape too. We had to do lots of push-ups. I got in trouble. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. That's what got me started off. <clears throat> yeah. And with regards to your time in the army, based on what you were saying, you've learned discipline and hard work, but I don't imagine that would have been something that necessarily would have instructed you into gratitude. So for you, how did you stumble upon this concept? Well, a lot of it comes from my religious upbringing, right? And so we did have uh, one of the the talks I remember that resonated with me included the idea of like uh, the six B's and one of them was be grateful. I can't remember the other ones, but one of them was, was being grateful. 
And when I would take the time to apply that, I would have better days. The military brought me to a lot of challenging situations, but I knew if I could find one thing that I was grateful for or appreciated about those situations, um, I, could, I could turn it around. And I could not only turn it around for me, but I could turn it around for other people. I, I had one experience, this is much later in my career after I'd kind of practiced at this a bit, but um, we were literally eating and we had packed up all of our tents, right? So this is the, the meal you're supposed to have. It was a breakfast meal right before driving back to our next location. And it was just dumping rain on us. I mean, one of those like torrential downpours. Between the time that we were serving the food out of the dude's plate and the time that he walked to the, you know, like there were three stations to get food, right? So he'd get his eggs and then he'd get something else. And then you get, you know, like, like that third station, there would be enough water on the plate that the eggs would start leaking over the side. Right. That's how much it was raining. Oh, and, beautiful. Wow. Well, at least it wasn't cold or super cold. And so my job in charge of all those guys that time was to stand there and be like, all right, guys, I know this sucks, but you're getting a story to tell. You're getting a story that you're going to be able to tell. Grab what you can, throw it down your gullet. This is going to be a great day. You've already mm. got a story to tell and the sun's not even <laughs> out yet. And, uh, you know, we were able to take that and turn that around. And the guys did. They ended up, that was the story they told their parents when they graduated a few weeks later. Well, that sounds like a really holistic way of looking at the entire experience. Alyssa, what do you think of that? No, I, I love that. And I mean, it is a form of gratitude at the end of the day, at the end of the day anyway. So, so I guess with some of your background, you know, how has gratitude seeped into your life in a now more daily type of exercise that you practice? Well, for me, I've got right now the challenge. So whatever the challenge is in your life, gratitude is part of the solution right? That's, that's what we need to look at. So the challenge in my life is switching around from being in charge of soldiers in the military to actually being around my family. And I'm not good at that. Uh, I have an 18 year old daughter. She's graduating high school this year. She's got to leave home. We've got to get her ready to be an adult. And she's scared. And it's hard for me to have those conversations with her because I want to treat her like one of my soldiers. And my wife is saying, I need to be a better listener and those sorts of things. And so I found that, um, I mean, we're recording this about mid-May, but I, I found that one of the most recent episodes I did was realizing, realizing that gratitude is a choice. You know, I um, yeah. didn't sleep because of uh, a nightmare and my daughter was up because she was, she'd gotten her, she's been working till like 1.30 in the morning because that's the shift she's on at the job that she's at. And then she stayed up for an additional three hours and was making noise. And so I woke up because of other reasons, but then, you know, could have been grouchy at her for the noise she was making that was keeping me up. And instead, I just went up to her room, gave her a hug, didn't say anything, and then came back downstairs, oh. right? Now, she has no idea. She doesn't listen to my show. She's probably not going <laughs> to listen to this show. Teenagers tend to tune their parents out. Yes. Um, but it was the idea when I recorded the episode that morning that I could choose to be grateful, right? And at the time, the best way I could express that was by not doing anything other than give her a hug, right? I, I couldn't, mm. I didn't have the capacity to do more than that, but I had the capacity to just give her a hug and keep my damn mouth shut. And so I did that. And I just swore on your show. Hopefully that's not a problem. That <laughs> no, cancels uh, all the time. <laughs> this could be the SS Titanic for all I care. So it's fine, <laughs> but we're not going to sink at the end. So it's all good. This will be the trip that it was supposed to have the maiden voyage that got to its ending. In any case, uh, with regards to how, you see gratitude as a choice. I see gratitude less as maybe a feeling of being kind to others. The way I define gratitude is being self-respectful and also as a way of building our own self-esteem up because I think that for a lot of people, we tend to be self-critical. We tend to be putting ourselves down and also say words on a day-to-day -day basis that we, you know, we've just been trained to say mentally over and over again, like, you know, oh, I'm not good at this. I don't feel great eating that. And when we start to build that negativity up, it reinforces bad ideas where we don't feel grateful for things that are in our lives. So for me, I think the value of gratitude is being kinder to oneself. Jacob, when we last spoke, you were talking about gratitude as being like a recipe. Can you talk a bit about this idea and where it came from? Well, honestly, it's because you're always exploring the concept that was out of the collaboration we had in our pre-show, right? Where we were talking. I didn't ever articulate it as a recipe before that conversation we had. You guys have already contributed to my understanding of this, but it clicked and it worked. And I've been realizing that this is one of the obvious next steps to take. It was 
you know, everybody eats something different. You know, we put, you know, you get a recipe and it says salt and pepper to taste, right? You know, we eat something different. We have a different palate. We have a different way of looking at things. What if gratitude is a recipe? You know, what if it's, you know, what ingredients are you contributing to somebody else's, you know, um, meal? What are you contributing to your own? With, With Ken, your comment there about your negative thoughts, right? What sort of recipe are you building for yourself you know, narrative to consume and making that something positive. When it's a recipe, it's a lot easier to contribute. You're not responsible for the whole thing, right? You're contributing to it. Um, It's part of a process and every day can be different. um, And no one solution has to be the solution. Um, So if you're doing what you can that day, that's good enough. And if you could do more the next day, do it. Yeah, completely agree. And on that note, I'd like to say thank you everyone for listening. I'm going to patent that idea, call it our own. Alyssa, let's go make some money with this idea of gratitude as like a recipe. (laughs) It'd be really cute to to do actually like a recipe book for gratitude of like how to, you know, what the steps of gratitude are, what, you know, little, a cup of, a cup of, uh, happiness a cup of humility a cup of like um all these different i think that'd be super cute yeah. <laughs> super I'll, cute but also good i'll write the forward to the book if you want and i can teach you how to self-publish so that's not a problem. <laughs> I, can, I can help with those two things d-u-n done <laughs> <laughs> and i'm grateful so, for meeting you to give us the inspiration for this this is turning into a great exercise thank you very much Jacob. <laughs> anyways um so yeah, Alyssa, um, I think you were going to talk about humility, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think, um, I guess on the topic of humility, I, I think humility really comes in alignment with gratitude as well um, and just how we communicate with others around us. But for, for me, I think when we talk about humility, it's, it becomes more about being less self-focused and more focused on the other people around us and other things in our life that we have going on at the time. So, you know, it's a way to give thanks to, you know, whether it is the, the value that other people bring into our life, the, the, the relationships we have, the family surrounding us, how people communicate with us, um, how we communicate to ourselves as well. And I think that all sort of aligns back to humility. And I know that, Um, Jacob, this was something you were previously discussing. So I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that too. So um, humility and gratitude work really well together, right? Because when you're humble, that's when you start noticing the blessings that you have in your life, right? Now, where do these blessings come from? It might be a religious question, right? And probably not the topic of the show, but, but that's still important. And humility is really based on honesty, in a lot of ways, right? So you kind of have to have these, these ingredients work together. You have to be honest with yourself. And we're really good at lying to ourselves. I mean, at least I am. Um, I'm not bald. I'm not 42. I'm the best looking guy in any room. You know, like I'm, I'm used to <laughs> lying to myself about, you know, my age and my health and all these other things. And if we let that persist, it can get really unhealthy. And then you miss the opportunity to recognize truly where you're at. We live in an age of wonder. You know, we live where we can connect um, with so many different people in so many different ways that we didn't have before. And when you're when you're honest, you can recognize and and humble. You can recognize that we're standing on the shoulders of giants in just about everything we do. The technology enabling this podcast right now was invented to through, you know, lots of small steps of humanity over time. Um, Aaron Schwartz comes to mind. Podcasts run on a technology called RSS, right? Or an XML um, uh, RSS feed, right? And that's the very technical name for the file that, you know, we upload when we do our podcast. That was, that was in part written by a guy named Aaron Schwartz. He was contributing to the code at the age of 14, right? Wow. Like, you know, when we stop and realize that, you know, his legacy is what part of what we're doing today, that's huge, Right. And then Apple happened to include it in iTunes and iTunes happened to become popular. Then all of these things happened to have happened, you know, to get us where we are. We really are blessed. Now, again, where you decide to give credit for your blessings is probably a religious question. But in a lot of ways, it's a question you can ask, you can answer physically and you can say thank you. 
right? The guy mm. that built the internet or designed it is still alive. Like how freaking cool is that? You know, like you have the ability to say thank you in different ways, either just by using the means that have been created or by actually saying thank you to the people that have put it together. What an amazing age. And again, honesty, if I stop lying to myself about my baldness and, you know, the fact that I'm getting older, <laughs> I can, I can, I can accept more, uh, of what I have that I'm blessed with in my life. So would you say then that practicing gratitude and practicing humility are two different things? I say that one leads to another. It's, it's yeah. nothing in life we do is disconnected, right? And your podcast yeah. heavily focuses on education and its design and, and that sort of stuff. And, and when you look at the way education was designed, it's segmented topics as if they were actually segmented physically because mm. you know in the school environment they physically are you know this is the science wing this is the english wing right they're physically segmented in reality everything's a lot more disconnect or a lot more connected than that right humility is a part of how you can feel grateful right it's part of building that recipe of your experience for your day truthfulness yeah. honesty is another part of that none of these things are isolated in their own we've given them names that are separate mm. from one another but those were just the best names we could come up with and funny thing with names we noticed this because i've got an american accent and you guys have an australian <laughs> accent and we have words that mean different things right and just our our vernacular of english i had a friend of mine tell me today that she was visiting australia and used the word fanny right and how offensive that was to the audience she was talking to in the states it's like a kid's word for referring to your butt but for that audience that i don't oh, know where really? she was at in australia yeah <laughs> and for her audience in in australia that was like super uber profanity so ken thanks for letting yeah. me know i could swear because in my mind i just said a word that would be used by a three-year-old to describe your butt and in australia i guess that's not the use of the word I'll explain that one to you later, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. I, I didn't know that it was used to used to be a butt, though. I thought it was just the, you know, the fanny pack that you guys call it. We call them bum bags in Australia. Oh, okay, little, okay, okay. Little things yeah. you wrap around your waist. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't tend to wear those. It's like we've gotten past the late 80s, but I guess okay. that's what we're associated with. So it's, you know, <laughs> the American stereotype is now no longer cowboy hats and our cavalry no. movies. It's now the fanny pack. So nice to know we've evolved to the late 80s. I so. appreciate you guys trying to G-rate this podcast. So with that being, said <laughs> uh back to gratitude um you know one thing that i actually liked what you were saying before um jacob with regards to the connectivity of people it reminded me so much of the book sapiens because uh harari writes about how over the ages we've been getting closer and closer together in the direction of cultural oneness that we're just seeing people and societies moving closer and closer together. Mm -hmm. Now, regardless of how people might think about that, the racism that's unfolded and all the other elements that have come included, I find it really fascinating that we're starting to see all these things that are emerging, like the technology coming in together, but also a greater discovery of how we operate as human beings. And for all the inventions, the, the rockets that go to space, trying to discover new planets, this is the time to be discovering how we operate. And so I think that to link this back in with gratitude, I think that we've never really had such a fundamental appreciation for how gratitude works for us for maintaining our own sense of self-worth, appreciating what we have around us, because if we don't have that, then life becomes a much darker place and we don't actually appreciate the wonder, as you put it, in everyday life. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you use the word wonder, right? And I, one of the things I've enjoyed is dictionaries. Um, I've, I've got a large dictionary upstairs and I like reading it once in a while. Um, the word wonder's origin is that <clears throat> it refers to that natural smile that emerges on your face, right? The one that you can't control, right? The word wonder's origin goes back to that, that thing that just makes you smile uncontrollably where it's a reflex. And, and to see the wonder that we have in us and how common that is for all of us. Like, like the word wonder's got 20 different meanings now, right? But that's its origin is this common part of humanity where when you see something beautiful that is wonderful to you, you naturally smile. And mm. it doesn't matter what our culture is. It doesn't matter what our background, it doesn't matter what our language is, right? We all naturally do that. When we see something we enjoy, 
we have this sense of wonder that makes us smile and it's contagious. It's even better, more contagious than yawning in my mind, right? You know, when somebody yawns, mm. that wonderful smile is, is so beautiful to have. And we have the ability to share that and see that more if we choose to go looking for it. You know, a lot of times we, you know, when we consume popular media, it's designed to scare us or cause us to fear or to, you know, have anxiety. And it's, take some effort to find the other parts of the media that are out there and be able to consume those and realize we really are this connected. We really are a lot the same, you know, governments may be different and not get along, but people, people are different than the governments and we right. can, people get along a lot better than we give them credit for. Mm. That's, that's, that's actually, um, how, going back to, I guess, you know, how we, we choose to see what we, what we want to see. It was, it's, Funny, I had found a quote the other day um, that was, um, I'd posted it on my, on my Instagram actually. And it was, um, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And a lot of people actually resonated with that too, because at the end of the day, you know, we all have these different perspectives. So to define something is really difficult to define, you know, an object, to, to define a word, to define love for example i was talking to this with one of my friends over the weekend like how do we define love and it's like we all have different perspectives so you know for us to see something the same as somebody else we need to communicate with one another and and it's it's why i love communication so much too i think communication is so so incredibly important and for us to choose to see something or choose to see the beauty in something or you know, for us, like you said, going back to seeing something that makes us smile, it depends on our perspective. It depends on how we are feeling within ourselves and how, how we see things and perceive things. So I think, you know, for, for people who struggle with seeing beauty in the, in the little things, you know, how do you think that, Jacob, that you were able to shifting your perspective to see the beauty and the small things on a day-to-day -day basis. So part of that comes from my journey with PTSD, right? Years in the military and some of the, the things that have gone on. And, and to be clear, I haven't had to shoot anybody. I've been shot at, right? But there's, there's a level of stress that your body can handle. And especially on my second or my third deployment um, and my, uh, in general, my first deployment to Afghanistan, the level of stress that I was dealing with there and the, a lack of letting myself decompress was really unhealthy. And so I ended up with a lot of the, I, I ended up with PTSD and, and not sleeping for a couple of years and, you know, really disconnecting and being a non-functioning human being. And, and when you get yourself and you find yourself in that position where you, you don't want, where there's no, there's nothing, right? There's no joy. There's just existence, right? You have to have to give yourself a reason to keep going and to start looking for small things right? Uh, Scott Adams, the guy who writes Dilbert, talks about this as couch lock, right? Which is that, that feeling that it came out of the stoner movement. It's, it's the idea that when you're sitting on your couch, you just literally can't get up, right? And so he says, yeah. look, you get couch lock about anything, right? So he says, he says, tell yourself to wiggle your pinky finger, right? Tell yourself to wiggle your pinky finger. And then by doing that, by consciously doing something that you chose to do, you can start building up to what you need to do in order to start achieving your goals, right? So do something small. And so I started noticing small things. And for me, part of it was, what are the systems, right, in my life that I've always taken for granted? And how did they get there? And why do people care? And it took me in so many weird, wonderful things. That's where I learned about etymology and ended up loving dictionaries. It's where I learned a lot of the history of the English language because obviously I wasn't paying attention when I was in high school, as I told you before, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's where I even learned about fonts, right? We use fonts all the time and you just pick one and it's not a big deal, right? But there are people who passionately fight. I mean, not physically, but they'll fight over, you know, a good font versus a bad font, you know, or, or font use and stuff like that. And so I, I started paying attention to all these little things that somebody was passionate about and I said, why? And then mm. I got to pull that thread to find out what was there. And so it added to a lot of the things that I'm grateful for because I could see more of them. I could, I could experience them. I could appreciate what other people were seeing about the stuff that was in their lives. And it was just, I still don't know anything, but I can appreciate more of what's around me, you know, in that sense. Right. Like, and I really do feel like I don't know anything. I know 
I know I know less now, right? I know, I, I know there's so much more for me to learn that I feel like I know less now than I ever have in my life. And that's going to be the same thing I have tomorrow, right? I, and the more I learn, the more I know I don't know, right? And so it's a really fun kind of experiment to be in where it's like, where's the next horizon to explore and to find people who are passionate? And wherever somebody's passionate, you can be grateful that they are so you don't have to be, or you can be grateful that they are and share that passion with them. And either way, you're good. You know, I don't mean to flip the script on you guys, but what are you passionate about? You know, when you think of that, like what's your, your nerd out thing that you have? Because back to humanity, right? I may not share <laughs> it with you, but I can definitely connect with your passion, which you nerd out about, right? Yeah. Uh, I can tell you exactly what I nerd out. <laughs> just, just, Ken, you should... um. You should lift up your camera and show Jacob your room. <laughs> That's true. I could show you my room, but the, to answer your question in one word, relationships. That is my bread and butter. Uh, okay, I could okay. talk about that for days. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, for me, travel, 100% travel. I, I just absolutely light up when I hear other people's travel experiences, their stories, how they've grown, what they've learned. I could talk about it for days. I could talk about my own experiences, how they've helped me grow. I think travel's education in itself. Wow. So those are two, I can hear the passion in your voice, but relationships just in my life, they kind of happen. I don't, I'm bad. I don't really invest in them probably the way I should. Don't tell my wife that. Um, you know, <laughs> and then, and then she's the one that really loves to travel. I mean, I lived in Europe for 11 there years. and Most of the castles and things that I saw were because she planned them. Um, mm. The last three years we were there was because I was, like I said, a non-functioning human being. I was physically yeah. existing, but not really present for any of that. Um, so we went to a lot of cool places and I have very small memories over those last four years or so. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of hard, right? Because she'll be like, don't you remember this? And it's like, I, nope, not at all. Like there's, there's parts I just don't remember. So Yeah. I've heard of that before too, especially if it sounds like it was something where it was maybe not a pleasant part in that memory as well. And you just, and for one reason or another, your subconscious has just been like, I don't want to go back there. It does happen. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely unfortunate when you had to go through that experience too. But I think the value of gratitude, at least in so far as it, it helps people is that there has been a lot of research that has shown that it is really good for people's own mental resilience in many more ways than one. Like even the act of doing daily gratitude journaling, I found during this period of social isolation as we're recording has been really good because what's regarded as a stress blender, an environment where we're feeling more on edge due to what's going on, as I've been reflecting on things that I'm grateful for in my life, I feel like I'm playing a game of really intensity tennis, but I'm batting each ball back to the opponent on the other part of the court, but I'm not feeling any stress at all. I'm just like, okay, you know, just batting away life's balls one after the other. And I'm feeling great about it because I'm feeling good about myself. So I think there is merit to the practice of gratitude in feeling good. In fact, Alyssa, you had a really good phrase for describing this relating to being in a tunnel. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was actually, and I, I remembered the audio book that I'd got this from Ken. It was actually from Curtis Jackson, 50 Cent, <laughs> the rapper. <laughs> you might laugh, but a oh, great last name. My last name is Jackson for those who don't know. Um, mm. So Curtis Jackson, I was reading his, uh, one of his audio books. It was like about the work hustle mindset and working harder. And to give credit to Curtis that I didn't know about, I didn't know that he was a very big businessman. He's, you know, bought a lot of shares in a lot of different companies. He's, you know, helping young children fight off starvation from some of the ghettos that, you know, he sort of grew up in. There was a quote that he was talking about how, you know, a lot of people when they're dealing with a stressful situation or they're going through a struggle, they say, they keep saying to themselves, like, it's okay, I just got to keep going because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And he totally disagreed with this quote that a lot of people look to. And, you know, he sort of reminded the listener or the reader that there's never a light at the end of the tunnel. There might be short term, but it's never going to last. It's going to go out again. And at the end of the day, you have to be your own light 
constantly in the tunnel. And I guess this, you know, it, it's all related back to finding happiness within ourselves and finding that light within ourselves and finding that piece of good when we are in a bad situation or we are in a bad, something bad has happened in our life that we can't control is to constantly find that light, that little piece of, you know, practicing gratitude for the really good things that we have instead of focusing on the bad, um, focusing on the good and knowing that if we have ourselves, we always have a piece of light and we always have life because we are life at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I love, love talking about us being life and us being the human being, you know, as a being and being present, which is all comes from Eckhart Tolle, one of my favorite authors, when it comes back to presenting that light to other people, I guess my question for you, Jacob, is when you feel like you have gotten into this habit of gratitude and, and practicing gratitude, do you feel that the more that you practice it and the more increased self-esteem you have that you can see other people's light or darkness coming into and, and their energy? Like has that, has practicing gratitude affected the way others' energy or what you allow to come into your life? Um, yeah, it, it does. And it's, so it can also be really exhausting. Let's, let's be honest, right? You can't be perfect all the time. You're not yeah, going to be grateful all the time, right? Yeah. And, but does it allow you to see other people for what they do? Yes, absolutely it does. Again, that relationship with my daughter that I've got to be working on, right, is, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a struggle and a challenge, right? Because it's like, I can view all of the things that I expected you to do that didn't get done. Right. Or I can view what you did do and build off of that. And this goes, this goes to managing your expectations, right? If you are trying to base your life on your expectations, you will always be miserable. You'll never <laughs> be able to be successful. If you are working with somebody and if you're working with yourself on basing um, the outcomes based upon what they have started doing and then building from that, right? Then you're good. So, so uh, football or soccer is like the most popular sport in the world, right? You don't hire somebody who's a really good goalie and put them as a forward. You play people to their strengths, right? Yeah. So play to your strengths and let other people play to their strengths, right? Don't judge them on their weaknesses. We all have too many of them. Um, and again, I was in a, a church meeting one time where they, uh, the leadership in the, this large congregational area, right? It was like, you know, four congregation, you know, area um, had been changed out. You know, it's a bunch of volunteers, right? So, you know, one group of volunteers was released and the other one was called and, and here you go, guys, here's the, here's the new leadership, you know, for the next five or so years. And the, the gentleman who was assisting this and organizing this, this section of the church looked and he said, you know, guys, um, you know, uh, a rose looks really pretty from a distance, but if you get close enough, you're going to find thorns. He said, if you look close enough at these guys' lives, you're going to, I mean, nothing major, of course, right? But you're going to find thorns if you want to, that would keep you um, from recognizing the strengths that they do bring into this space, right? So what are you looking mm -hmm. at? Are you looking for thorns? Then you're going to find them and you're going to be unhappy, right? Play to your strengths, play to what you know are your strengths and look for those in others. Look for other people's strengths the same way you want them to see yours and then build from that. And yeah, it's a, so much easier to do even with people I don't naturally get along with. I have one lady at work, mm -hmm. don't get along yeah. with her, but she wears great shoes. And one of those systems <laughs> and things I paid attention to, right? It sounds silly. One of those systems and things I paid attention to when I was starting to look at the world was shoes, right? We yeah. take them for granted, but they're actually a great form of expression. And for women, they are especially seen as a form of expression for these help me look taller. These help me, you know, look better in this outfit. These help me, mm -hmm. you know. And so I've got this one lady who she and I don't necessarily get along, but she wears great shoes and I will compliment her shoes to, you know, when I'm having... Uh, a, a struggle mentally, right, with how we work together. And we're still able to work fine. It's a professional relationship, but I had to start with her shoes. And, mm. you know, so much of life is in our feet. <laughs> I love that. You're, you're not wrong, because without feet, we wouldn't be moving around so easily. With what you were saying before <laughs> about strengths and weaknesses, you got me thinking very heavily about I think one of the challenges that many students go through in school, and this is my not so clever way of segueing into talking about the school system now, but it's to talk about how I think that the school system now 
focuses too much on people being perfect at everything and not really working out where their true strength lies. And I know we discussed this before, Jacob, when we were talking about constraints. And I think that with regards to school, there are definitely challenges where students don't feel once they've left school that they've worked out where their passion is, what they're good at, also understanding perhaps what they're not so good at and where their constraints lie. And whilst we don't obviously want to have like a full discussion on constraints, I think what I'd be interested to hear about from your point of view, based on what you were saying before about strengths and weaknesses and tying this into gratitude, how do you think the school system in general would benefit from improved gratitude and also improved self-awareness? Yeah, so that's a hard one for that system. I, you know, and I've got the American school system here with my kids and you guys have the school system in Australia. They're very similar. They're based on a similar model, but there may be some differences in what I'm about to say that, you know, might, you know, like it's just not a perfect analogy. But one of the things that they do that's really hard and that they would have to change is the idea of a single right answer, right? They, yes. They, you've got to get away from that. We've trained people for 12 years that there's a single right answer to things and that's just not the way life works. And so until you can, can peel that back, this is gonna be very hard to do. But once you can peel that back, then you actually can start recognizing people's strengths, right? And recognizing things that are skills and valuable. Like I'm the sort of person that gets excited about things. I'm a great member of a team because I get excited about things. I've got a positive attitude and we can go do hard things as a team because, you know, I'm helpful to pick people up and listen to them when they have bad days and help move the work forward. You know, um, you know, when we talked before about the theory of constraints, right. And how that all works. And I, you probably want me to break that down just two minutes for your audience real quick here. Mm. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd okay. Be great. So the theory of constraints says that in any, Thing that you have and anything that you're going to produce, you're going to have different steps, right, to produce that thing. And that at any one of those steps is going to be your constraint because it will take longer to do, right? You don't have as much capacity to process that particular step. And it doesn't matter if this is professional or personal. This did come out of manufacturing, right? So in the manufacturing assembly line, you've got station A, station B, station C, station D, right? And and if, if they all had a certain amount of capacity, right, it doesn't matter what station A had. Station A might have been able to do 10 widgets an hour, but station B can only do three. So if you measure station A on doing 10 widgets an hour and expect them to do 10 widgets an hour, it doesn't help out the system because station huh. B can't handle them, right? Yeah. So look at what the strengths are of that whole system. Look for the weakness of the system and then you use it. Leverage the weakness, right? So in college, I found out my weakness um, was the time, right? My constraint was the time that I had to spend in researching for different classes. So if I were taking classes that were if a math and then a science and, and kind of like you do this in high school, right? A math and a science and a, uh, a history and then a something else. None of those classes talk to each other. They don't connect with each other. But in college, I had the flexibility with my schedule to build classes that did work together. So I could take a philosophy class, an English class, a rhetoric class, a business class, and um, it was a public speaking class. All five of those classes, I could use the textbooks as quotes for my papers in any one of the other classes. And so my wife and I worked on that without really knowing the theory of constraints. We just knew that that was our constraint. We worked on it. We didn't have the theory's name. And I ended up doing 24 semester hours in college in one semester. And, yeah. and going back to how you can apply this in your life, look at your constraint, find out what it is, and then just leverage it. Like say, oh, be honest and humble and grateful for what you can do. And then yes. look at how you can take what you can do in that space and then build it into something that looks like more and really is more. And this is where a lot of the people you see as successful, what they've done in their lives is they've yeah. just found their constraint and they've acknowledged it and they've worked with it, not worked around it, not bypassed it, not ignored it. They've learned to work with it. And then you end up being able to do the brilliant, wonderful things that you want to do with your life. If you don't see your life as a system yet, that's fine, but it is. And if you can start piecing that together, then once you do piece it together, it'll be a lot easier to control, to feel like you have control and to your anxiety will go down significantly. And again, that part that plays back to helping you be grateful for what you have.
I really love what you just, what you just mentioned there with the constraints and sort of, um, you know, using those to your leverage and to your advantage. I think as well, what's really important is that some people, they think that practicing gratitude is just forgetting about all of the other crap in your life and, and just focusing on the good and, and just ignoring the problems or ignoring things. I think this, this is something that's really, really critical to just re-mention is that it's allowing or, you know, looking at all of your emotions and all of your thoughts without judgment, without any judgment and, and not ignoring um, mm. whether you are feeling upset. I mean, oh my gosh, we're all human at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be things that make us upset or angry or disappointed, but it's, it's looking at those emotions without any judgment and just accepting them, not ignoring them, not trying to, you know, focus on other things or find distractions, which I think is a huge problem that a lot of people do. They don't look at the problem head on and their emotions head on and they just ignore them and, and try and find things to distract themselves. And I think that is a, that is the wrong thing to do from personal experience. And from personal experience, I have done that previously, mm. but when I now face a challenge or face a struggle, I, I, I deal with it head on. And I accept the emotion. I look at the emotion without any judgment, allow it to pass, you know, do what I need to do within the moment. And that actually helps me get better when this emotion, you know, arises again or something similar happens or another situation happens and it helps me deal with this emotion. And I feel like I'm actually improving and getting better and better and better. So I think that's really important to mention. So you said a phrase then, and we have these phrases built into how we talk that just kind of, you know, we, we don't think about what they mean, right? Like yeah. fell in love is one of those interesting phases. It makes it phrases. It makes it sound like you have no control. It's like gravity. Yeah. yeah, no, that doesn't count. But you use the phrase pass through, right? Okay. Use the phrase pass um, yeah. and letting things pass through you. And that's a lot of how our life experiences are. Those negative emotions that we have associated with things are going to pass through those grateful yeah. emotions we have are going to pass through, right? Yeah. What can you do while you're passing through that zone, right? Either of negativity or positivity to either amplify it and share it, right? Or to simply let it be. And sometimes we don't have the capacity. We're human beings. We are very weak in a lot of ways. And we don't have the capacity to be good all the time. We don't have the capacity to be perfect. Let some things just pass through us. But take the choice to tackle more than what you're doing tomorrow. But if you're taking inventory, like you're talking about, you're taking an inventory of what I did and then looking for the opportunity to tackle more tomorrow, you can get more done tomorrow than you did today. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. With that in mind, Jacob, if you were a teacher and you were running a class, let's just, we won't give it a title or a subject, but let's just say you were a teacher how would you like to instill some of these things you're talking about learning to be appreciative of who you are in your totality being grateful for your strengths and weaknesses what would you do to make your students feel more at ease with these concepts yeah so one of the easiest things that can be done without a whole lot of change is just do an assignment on what are you grateful for you know if every year there was an assignment on write an essay or write something on what you're grateful for, you know, that would be a huge step forward. Um, my ideal classroom though is really interesting and it's where you have the opportunity to coach people and to teach them how to coach one another. Um, it's based on the philosophy of scrum, which is this agile, it's how like a lot of computer um, languages and teams or, or computer software is being built. Um, but it's the idea that you can create teams and then the teacher functions in the role to help the teams develop and become better. And so one mm. of the tasks that you could give that team could be and include um, the idea of gratitude or looking for things to be grateful for in, in their environment and surroundings. 
Um, Scrum's a little hard to explain, but the, the idea is you have chunks of time and then you have a certain amount of work that you get done in that chunk of time, right? And so the teacher works with the students to put that chunk of work, you know, into that time box. The students stay the same throughout the entire year, right? So if you've got a team of four, you keep that team of four. Now, obviously moves or whatever you can adjust, but you, if you have a team of four working on it and you have a mix of people who aren't the brightest and who are the brightest, right, in that same group. And the idea is that the group doesn't get to move on until that topic has been, you know, it meets the acceptance criteria that the teacher helps set, right? And so you work through that. And what happens is when you get teams like that, this happens outside of school and it's so beautiful, just bring it into school. They do this in the Netherlands in a couple spots, right? So mm. if you bring this into school, um, the, the kids learn to work together and look to find each other's strengths and look to build on each other's strengths to do things, right? And nobody has to feel dumb or I, you know, like I'm the unpopular kid, you know, right. It's like, you have a yeah. strength, you're going to contribute it. And the teacher can work with the students to get to where they're all mutually supportive. That's the sort of classroom I wish my, my kids were in. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not, we have way too much history tradition and all kinds of things in the way of that. But there mm. are places that are being experimental with this type of learning and again, it allows you to bring in topics that are more responsive to real world needs when you do yeah, that. Absolutely. And so gratitude's mm. one of them right now, might not be in the future, but I want to, if schools could modify towards meeting real world needs and, and shortening the gap between the time that those are identified in society and the times that you know they're experimenting with solutions mm. in the classroom, that gap is huge, right? It is a decade or more between the time you identify a societal need and then the time you, you decide to update curriculum in the classroom. We've got to shorten that gap and then a lot of the stuff will go away. I, sorry I if that's agree. a lecture, but it's just the way the system's built. I love that. I did too. That was amazing. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an English teacher for normal, the normal education system. I teach English as a foreign language, so it's a bit different. But when I was teaching English as a foreign language, when I was living in Madrid for a year, with my students during that time too, I was, it was sort of, you know, within my, I guess that first year and a half where I was really getting into mindfulness, gratitude, journaling, all of that. And I had a huge passion for it. And all my students knew, knew that I did, but there'd be, there'd be times where I would turn up to class and, you know, one of the first questions I would, I would ask my students and get them to just write down would be, what did you do today that made yourself proud of yourself? Or okay. what did, what did, what did you do last weekend that made you feel really grateful? Mind you, I'd have students that would be like, what does grateful mean? Or like, you know, what is, what is gratitude? And then I'd have to actually sort of teach that word first sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I felt that the more that I did that, it was interesting because I found that some of my students would then come and ask me, you know, after class or before class, Oh, Alyssa, like, what did you do on the weekend that made you, made you feel really thankful or made you feel really grateful? It was really cool to hear some of my students sort of ask me the question. And I'm like, okay, that's really good because I hope now that they start asking their friends or they start asking their family, you know, what, what did you do on the weekend that made you feel proud of yourself? And, and sort of just, yeah, reminding themselves that whether it's something that they've previously done that's made them feel really happy something they're proud of themselves for, something that they're thankful for in the present right now, or something that they're even looking forward to. So that was sort of my little way of sneaking those into my classrooms. Mm -hmm. I was lucky to have a lot of flexibility with, with how I wanted, how I could teach, which was great. And what I do now with my, with my current students, I just have, I have purely one-on-one -on -one classes with my students. But sometimes I, I usually do start, I usually do start the conversation most of the time with, yeah, what did, what did you do over the weekend that made you feel really proud of yourself? And it just starts conversations off on a positive note. And even sometimes removing a, if you, if someone is having a negative thought to just start removing those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And you'll realize after you keep doing that for a long period of time, it'll turn into a habit and you'll realize how much you've changed as well. I love it. Sometimes we come across questions that are more powerful than the answers. And that's one yeah. of them, right? I, in hearing you talk, it was, I, I can hear how important this is to you and how valuable it is for you in building that relationship with your students. But again, 
you know, like me, if you were to ask me that, I would struggle to come up with an answer, right? Because the answers are less powerful than the question itself. And the question itself is so beautiful. It's like, well, what are you grateful for today? You only need to answer that once and then it starts, you know, to, to build and continue. Um, we have a song at church and it's, uh, it says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And I mm-hmm. did, I tried that once as an experiment and I decided that that was the worst advice you could ever have. <laughs> <laughs> You will get nothing else done for the day if you decide to count your many blessings and name them one by one, right? You have, we are so blessed. I mean, we really are. Um, and yeah. the perspective that allows us to recognize that is really valuable and healthy. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend counting your blessings. <laughs> you know what I would say to that too is my final piece to this is I think there is great value in journaling. And I think that that's something that can come into school, not just as a matter of detailing when something is due, but getting people to realize that counting your blessings can be done as a daily exercise, just one of those blessings and writing it down, expressing what it is, what you're grateful for, because the stress in high school, as we know, is intense. Being able to appreciate what you have and what you've done is such a great way of working through that. The other value of writing down your feelings, thoughts, and mood is that it goes away. And people underestimate the value of the written word or even vocalizing how you feel. Because if, for example, you're in high school and you're going through a tough time and you aren't even thinking remotely about what you're grateful for, writing that down often removes that mood that's polluting your thoughts and allows you to then process other parts of your day. And I think the value of gratitude journaling is that it allows you to retain your control over how you feel, how you're thinking without having that negativity in your mind. And we also forget too that parents who are going through challenges behind the scenes might also be impacting things for their children too. So I think it really builds up resilience, independence, and also a sense of self-control when the outside world doesn't feel like it's under control. Yeah. My brain was going someplace completely like left field from this conversation in a sense. You're talking about the idea of, of control as in I have control of myself. And I was thinking about how you know, the idea of, of agency or liberty, right, is, is you being able to make a choice about yourself, right? Those choices you make, are you taking control, right? 100%. And, and I love just you're exercising your agency and it's that part of your agency and your part of your liberty that nobody can take away, right? Nobody can take away how you choose to, you know, narrate your thoughts in your head. And why not make that choice? to to be or to involve gratitude in that space why not give you know gratitude some space in your mind and during your day um because it will make a difference uh and you're you're you have to take control of that gratitude because the gratitude is a choice right that conversation with my daughter yeah. and gratitude is a choice i can't force gratitude on you i can't uh, I, you have to choose yeah. it you have to decide to select it so how can you right let's get over couch lock let's find some little thing you can wiggle <laughs> your pinky finger about right let's get over couch lock when it comes to being yeah. grateful what is something in that space that you can start with and then build from there when i have spoken to when people have asked me personally why i practice gratitude and they get confused about what it is why i do it um very fair and as airy fairy um you know sometimes people have said to me oh well i'm already you know really happy with my life and i don't need to i'm already really thankful so i don't i don't need to practice gratitude you know it, it obviously it comes back down to the person and once again it is a choice but what would you say to a person that you know isn't really to me to me it means they're just closed-minded that's mm-hmm. just you know i i think that it's just a closed-minded thing to not try something but what would you say to a person that is that doesn't think that they need to practice gratitude and, and they're already thankful? So if we go to trying to help people with their weaknesses, <laughs> right, then just grab a big baseball bat or a cricket bat, whatever you guys use in Australia, whack them over the head and tell them they're wrong. No, that's obviously not the case, right? 
recognize it where they're at. They feel like that that's not a challenge for them in their life and that's okay. Um, it may be a challenge for other people to be in their life if they're thinking they're already perfect at gratitude, but that's where they're at right now. Again, everybody's recipe for gratitude is going to be different and it is a yeah. choice. We cannot force that on anybody. You just have to to smile and then say, you know, maybe you could do something like, can I share what I'm grateful for right now? Because I discovered this really cool thing. Like there's a new font, yeah, you know, or whatever the, whatever the <laughs> thing is you're excited about out there. Yeah. Um, that actually happened this week. There was a new font that was released and I was feeling stressed and I was like just studying the curves on the font and how they built different That's parts so of it. Funny. And I was That's just really like, yeah. the, the guys I work with totally know that I will nerd out about fonts every once in a while. So they're like, yeah, Jacob, whatever. But to me, it was a relaxing experience to be like, oh, wow, look at the way they they did the serifs on the T and isn't that cool? And then the, the, just, there were ink, ink spots or ink, uh, uh, ink, uh, there's these little spots that capture the ink and how they did that. And it was just like mm. really smartly done. Um, and then they were talking about Zapfino, which is a great font. And then the guy who created it was also a Nazi, you know, soldier and all this other stuff. And just kind of how all these things tie together. It's just, sorry, there's so many <laughs> things inside of fonts, but that would be my advice is pick something yeah. that you're grateful for and share that excitement with it. Cause maybe they don't know they're supposed to be excited about what they're grateful for. That's a mm. good example is that you get yeah. excited about it. So share that with something that you are and hopefully they will be good listeners and, and, and they shouldn't feel bad because you are excited about something and they weren't they just, okay, maybe they share it. Maybe they don't. You guys from your visual cues are obviously not studied up on fonts. And that's <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> it's it's all the it's the perspective. It's just it totally a different is. perspective. Yeah. I'm not mad at you for being uneducated, right? It'll come in life. You will get there. It's totally okay. And honestly, yeah. it really hasn't added that much value. But it's been fun <laughs> to nerd out about, right? Um, mm. So thank you guys. That's well, I just made fun of the host. That should get cut. That should get. Cut. No, we're we're the kind of people who really get. You know, we're. We're very grateful for the self-deprecation that we take on board with this channel. So it's all very good. <laughs> no, I, lo I love Not that. Not at the expense well, of our self-esteem. Okay, good deal. <laughs> well, we're supposed to be working on that through gratitude, Ken. Isn't that what this whole episode is oh, about? <laughs> damn. Did I say gratitude? I'll, I'll get off the call and it'll be like, I'm grateful that call with Jacob ended, right? Ended. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, actually, Alyssa, did you have any other questions you want to ask? I actually did just, just one more. So just mm. to end the episode, for, uh, this is a question for the both of you guys. If someone Hi. actually is interested in, in um, practicing gratitude and starting, where would you actually tell them to start? Well, I can only talk from my experience. So my first step with gratitude was slow. I got a journal and I was putting in an entry maybe once a week. And I think for me, what helped was just having the opportunity to make it a daily practice. And the reason being was I was reading a really great self-help book called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And it was re-emphasizing the importance of appreciating what we're capable of our strengths and weaknesses, but being kinder to oneself. And so I made it more of a daily discipline because I wanted to apply the practice of being kind to oneself. And I have to say, I noticed the results, you know, very quickly. I think what I can say to people is you want to make this a discipline, treat it like mental fortitude, like going to a gym. The more you do this, the more you will not only appreciate yourself, but you'll have happier days. Love that. And what about you, Jacob? So for me, I'm going to take a little bit of a different take because this isn't a question I've really thought of, of where to start. I just kind of do and fumble around with it. So I'm going to recommend um, finding a person in your life um, that you can say thank you to uh, because it'll make their day, right? If Don't do it for yourself, right? This might be a good way to get over couch walk is don't do it for yourself. Do it to tell somebody else that you're, you're grateful. And if you are of a persuasion that uh, where you believe in a God, then take the time to say thank you um, as well. Um, however you choose to pray, right? Um, however you choose to speak with God, take the time to say thank you there as well. And I think uh, those two things uh, uh, as a daily habit um, can help build your resilience in the space and help build your fortitude. Um, and so you've got a spectrum of options here, right? Ken's option is, is a bit more internal, right? And that is 
either what's your recipe, right? Pick one, you know, <laughs> but of the true. three we've suggested, you can choose whatever you're comfortable with today and start applying it. Isn't that great? It's just like yeah. exercise, to be honest, because one can choose to go to the gym versus doing cardio out in the park. And the method is still going to lead to a better result. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I love mm. that. Well, on that note, Thank you so much, Jacob, for your incredible input. This really has been a really beautiful episode. And I think a lot of our listeners will get a lot from this and, and learn mm. maybe things that they didn't know about gratitude before previously too. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you very much too, because I feel like it was something that can be shared really easily with our listeners and also has the potential to help them feel better about themselves. I love it. Thank you, guys. This has been awesome. Well, I thought that was a really good episode with Jacob. Definitely our longest, but by no means our <laughs> least in terms of quality. I really got a lot out of that. I think that was really, really wholesome and lovely. I think that our audience hopefully agrees with us that they got a few things out of that. And I hope that it allows them to step forward into the practice of gratitude. And, you know, I hope it opens your mind to seeing what this can do for you. Agreed. And for you, Alyssa, what would you say is the key takeaway from this episode, particularly in light of the conversation we had with Jacob? Um, I think that what I really love is the whole, the whole notion behind the gratitude recipe. So, you know, like anything, we all have a recipe in how we do things. Gratitude for one person might not be exactly the same for another person. It might be completely different. So, you know, for example, there are so many different types of gratitude that you can practice. And obviously we, we briefly touched on gratitude journaling. You know, if you actually are a person that prefers to write words down physically in a notebook, or maybe you don't like doing that. Maybe you want to vocally express your gratitude and use the I am notion or shift into something that is more of an attitude, for example. So you can actually live within a within having a gratitude attitude, as I, I actually really like that, that saying, the attitude of gratitude, because you are actually living that state of mind that in that consciousness and that attitude at all times in your life. So it's basically this state that you practice continuously and you become, you actually actually become within this state. Uh, very, very consciously aware of how you're communicating with people, how, what you're saying to other people, um, how you are going about your day, even when you're walking down the street, what you're appreciating, what you're focusing on. So I think all of these different things, you know, it builds up this recipe and this whole idea of having a recipe, the gratitude recipe. So I think that the biggest takeaway is that don't feel confined to one type of gratitude find what works best for you choose what works best for you and find a way to fit it into your day fit it into your week to begin with at the very least just realize that for for one person you know it might be different for what for what works for you so i really love that whole the whole notion of the the gratitude recipe um i think that was my biggest takeaway ken and what about yourself i like yours because I feel that to each their own. Yeah. I think that for me, my takeaway was this point that Jacob was talking about, which is humility. And to expand on that, I like the idea that with humility, gratitude really helps us to become humble, to appreciate those who are in our lives. And also to realize that unlike being selfish, which is when we step on others in order to feel better about ourselves, gratitude allows us to be respectful of others whilst also not tooting our horn or feeling the need to show off in a way to make ourselves feel better. And I think it really does boil down to a greater appreciation of, you know, our own inherent skill set, whilst also appreciating what others are offering to our lives too. So I think that was my key takeaway from the episode. But other than that though, there was obviously lots of gems uh, that we talked about, but uh, what now? What well, now indeed. So we really hope you loved that episode. We hope that you go away and practice gratitude. And yeah, with that being said, obviously you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, 
the Spotify, the Apple store, and you can actually email us at whatnowpod at gmail.com if you have any questions for us, if you have any topics or episodes that you'd love for us to discuss, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. And yeah, what now? Indeed, what now? Well, other than that though, guys, we hope you guys have a great time and we'll be back to talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye.